friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Culp. I'm the publisher and CEO at CUinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. We get to identify those issues that affect credit unions and talk about all the best practices that exist so that we can learn from one another and improve our credit unions. I am so thrilled for today's episode. I think you're going to really love it. My guest on today's show is Dan Berger, the president and CEO at NAFQ, the National Association of Federally Insured Credit Unions. Dan's been on our other podcast, the CU Inside Experience podcast with Randy, talking about his personal leadership journey. And we're going to link to that here for you as well. But we are so excited that he's here for the CU Inside Network podcast today to chat even more about NAFQ, the great work they do. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Lauren, always a pleasure to speak with you. Well, I'm going to dive right in here. Most of us didn't grow up thinking we'd get to work with credit unions. And uh, many of us didn't even know what they were <laughs> when we were growing up. What did you want to be growing up, though? Uh, if you look in my high school yearbook, it said, you know, dream job you know, upon college graduation. And it says corporate lobbyist. And so I've known since middle school and high school that I wanted to be involved in politics and, and, and policy. And and so that's, it's, I've always wanted to be a, a lobbyist since uh, as far back as I can recall. Wow. Well, you shared a bit more about your own leadership journey on some of our other episodes, but can you recap for us, what was the journey like to your current role as president and CEO at NAFQ? It's amazing. That it seems like you're doing exactly what you wanted to do growing up. Yeah. I mean, I've been a lobbyist since I graduated college I was 22, 23, and I have the best job in Washington, D.C. right now. As CEO of NAFQ, uh, I have great colleagues. I've got great members. I get to advocate for an incredible industry. It's been a terrific journey. I, I was EVP of Gummo Affairs, overseeing all the advocacy for, I guess, about seven years before I was appointed CEO. But I have the best job in Washington, D.C. Uh, I get to advocate for the white hats of the financial services industry. I can't wait to get to work each and every day. And then, and when that happens, when it's drudgery and I don't want to, then I'll go do something else. But to this day, it's been absolutely fantastic. Well, I have a feeling most of our listeners already know about the really great work that NAFQ does for our industry. But can you sum it all up for us here? What would you say is the elevator pitch? Maybe it's a long elevator ride, but what would you say is the elevator pitch you give folks about what NAFQ does and where you really add value for credit unions? I, I think that it comes down to our focus. We're hyper-focused uh, on our members, really trying to create a value proposition uh, of a really robust trade association. Uh, so many years ago, when I became CEO, we kind of stripped everything down. And then you've probably heard it before, uh, but we only do three things here at NAFQ. We do advocacy, we do compliance assistance, and of course, we do education and training. So that hyper-focus has really worked for us. And as trade associations, they have a tendency sometimes to be all things to all people. But uh, advocacy is uh, job one and job two and three, of course, is the, the compliance and, and the education. But that's our elevator pitch. And, and it's held up. If you look at our membership growth and our retention rate is extremely strong. But it's also because of our reputation uh, of my colleagues and is in our association overall that were very, very responsive. And, and so they they like that. And internally, uh, we call it extreme member service. The young man in the mailroom can help you as much as I can. And, and so to have that as a culture uh, has really worked for us. 
Well, we're going to talk about extreme member service a little bit later today, but I want to touch on regulation, legislation for a minute. I know it's always everyone's favorite topic, but you all are the experts. Of course, we know we need proper regulatory oversight as financial institutions, but you know, we were chatting before the show too about the regulations that might seem like they're put in place almost in a reactionary way to maybe some bad actors. So I'm curious, what's your perspective on the difference between the two and what do you see as the best approach? Well, from our standpoint, we believe there's plenty of laws and, and regulations already on the books. And the regulators, and if you want to use, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, they were cited, there were red flags everywhere, but apparently the San Francisco Fed uh, failed to, to mitigate. There were red flags everywhere. And, you know, you had a senior management team at the bank uh, that was not keeping the eye on the ball, not, not hedging properly. Uh, when you have 92, 94% of your assets are uninsured, that's irresponsible management. And credit unions don't do that. So from our standpoint, we really like to see the regulators focus on safety and soundness. Uh, we, we believe there's enough regulations that have been promulgated, laws that have been passed by Congress and, and the state legislatures, uh, for that matter. And, and so we just want them to keep the eye on the ball. Don't impede credit unions from growing, you know, definitely keep an eye on them, examine them thoroughly, but just make sure you allow them to continue to innovate and grow. What would you say are really those big advocacy issues in the U.S. right now? And and can you share any maybe big wins that have happened recently from an advocacy perspective? Yeah, I think from our standpoint right now, it's been the focus on non-interest income. Uh, the CFPB came out with the term junk fees. Uh, you've got, you know, Senator Durbin going after uh, interchange, courtesy pay and, and things like that from the CFPB standpoint. Uh, we've been playing defense. We've had a lot of success from the defensive standpoint. We worked really hard, you know, and you mentioned it earlier. Sometimes there's an overreaction to a crisis and the pendulum springs so far back. And so we've been working really hard to try to prevent that from uh, occurring. We've been successful to this date, knock on wood. We keep our eye on the ball. We're hyper vigilant on all these different issues that are coming on. But that's been our huge success is keeping those bad things from happening. So credit unions can continue to do what they do best. And that's to serve their members and communities. The biggest problem that uh, CEOs and credit unions have is when there's spikes in legislation, there's, there's changes in legislation or there's a spike in promulgated rules and, and, and regulations. And then they have to rechange, rejigger the strategic plan and their business plan. Now you have some consistency. And I think that's attributed to the advocacy of NAFCU and, and other trade associations, but also just having a divided Congress makes it a little bit more difficult to pass some things. Mm. It, it's wonderful to hear. And I love the way you describe it almost as like that, that defense, you know, the first line of defense for credit unions. And I, you mentioned extreme member service earlier. I want to talk about that too. I love that. Can you tell us a little bit more about how extreme member service kind of plays into your culture, what the impact is there? Yeah, in the very beginning, that's what we talked about. Uh, we wanted to be known for people who got responded to emails, that respond to phone calls and, and just be extremely, extremely responsive. And we call it extreme member service. You know, our compliance folks get back to people within 24 hours. I mean, I get emails and, and texts and phone calls over the weekend. They, they get responded to. Um, then same with my colleagues throughout the building. We're known for being uh, responsive. I have never heard from a member saying no one got back to me. Uh, that's just not part of our culture. So we just said, listen, our value proposition, there's a lot of trade associations out there 
that could provide advocacy and some of the other bells and whistles trade associations are known uh, for doing. But, you know, a lot of them aren't responsive. And, and that's why we wanted to build our culture around being very effective advocates, but more importantly, be extremely responsive to our membership. I love that. And what a great, I would say, like, key core focus as, as you think about the work that you do for credit unions. And we hear a lot that good member service really starts internally with our own people and our own culture. How would you say NAFQ's culture has really evolved over the last few years with so much change in the world around us? Yeah, it, it, it did change. And, and it was something that we've never dealt with. No, no one dealt with a, a, a pandemic. We won't get into the politics uh, of whether it was handled correctly or not. But it really took us a, a step back to look. We always had teleworking at NAFQ. When I became CEO, we implemented teleworking a, a few days a week. And so we just, from our standpoint, we just had to expand that uh, a little bit further. When I became CEO, if you recall, there was a huge snowstorm here in, in, in the area and it shut everything down, including NAFQ. And I said, we can't operate this way. And so Eric Miller and our IT group did a great job. Everybody has laptops. So when we shut down, I think it was Friday, March 16th, we were up and running, you know, seamlessly uh, within an hour or two. So wow. no one knew that we had shut down to a weather event. And so it wasn't being prescient for a pandemic. But we had the infrastructure and the technology already in place to deal with uh, something, a black swan event like that. And so we we're ready to go. And so that that culture uh, permeates throughout the entire building. We just want to make sure that, that our members have access to staff here at NAFQ. And, and it's worked. That is amazing. Well, it sounds like you are kind of ahead of the game there a little bit. But as we look to the future, what would you say is NAFQ's focus for the road ahead? Where Where are you going next? Uh, it's advocacy. It's job one. It's what we think about every day. Um, we do we do a lot of whiteboarding here and, and what if scenarios and, and, and planning. But advocacy is job one. And then of course uh, the compliance systems and, and education and training is extremely important. But advocacy is job one, and it's our job. We think about it every day. We talk about it every day. I got people on the Capitol Hill every day. I got folks visiting the regulators every week. So it's one of those things that advocacy is job one. And we're just hyper-focused on that because we want to create a legislative and regulatory environment so credit unions don't just survive, but thrive, but more importantly, grow. Uh, it's a highly competitive financial services marketplace out there. And, and so we want to make sure that environment, uh, from a regulatory and legislative standpoint, is optimal for, for them to grow. And then that's our focus every single day. I love that. Well, as we wrap up the show here, I always like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little better, Dan. The questions are rapid. We like to say though that your answers don't have to be. So if you're ready, let's let's dive into the lightning round here. <laughs> All right. First question, who's someone in your life that was a great leader and what makes them so great? Well, I had a mentor early in my life, starting like eighth grade in middle school, worked on his state senate campaign. And he went on being a long-term state senator from my hometown, Gainesville, Florida. And it's uh, State Senator George Kirkpatrick. He really beat it into me that communication, being kind to folks, being responsive to folks really matter. And if you're not responsive, that, that's a sign of disrespect. And, and so they may not like what you have to, to say, uh, but you, they deserve uh, the respect and a phone call back or, or an email back or whatever it is. And, and and that kind of always stuck with me. And so if you're responsive and we provide extreme member service, people remember that because and you've heard the saying before, they'll remember how you make them feel. 
So if you make them feel needed, respected, they will never leave you. And so that's really been part of our culture and our value proposition. But it was State Senator George Kirkpatrick that really beat that into me. I love that. Well, if you're going to splurge on something, so you want to treat yourself, what's one thing you might spend a bit of money on? <laughs> a fly rod. Anything to do with fly fishing and, uh, you know, fly rods are, are not inexpensive. I have a lot of them <laughs> and uh, they, they get delivered. And my wife wonders, do I actually need a, another fly rod? And uh, yes, yes, I do. And so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll splurge on, on fly rods. Anything to deal with uh, fly fishing, that, that's my weakness. Amazing. <laughs> that's great. Well, here's a random question for you. You've traveled a lot for work. What's city are you always most excited to visit when you're going to a conference? Yeah, we have conferences in really interesting uh, locales. Our education is robust, but by the city that, that I like always going to is Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Nashville, Music City, USA. I love live music and, and I love country music and they have rock and roll there as well. It's just, it's just a really neat environment. And then to, to cap it off this past year, my daughter is a, a freshman uh, at Vanderbilt in, in Nashville. So wow. it's a perfect combination for the burger family. But I mean, for decades, we've gone to Nashville and really enjoyed it. I like the restaurants, love the live music. So Nashville is probably uh, one of my favorite cities in, in our great country. That is a great answer. Well, what is a book that you think everyone should read? I, I would recommend my executive coach's book, John Spence. Awesomely Simple. Wonderful book, uh, great hints, uh, a lot of case studies. He provides coaching to CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, as well as numerous CEOs in the credit union industry, as well as folks here at NAFQ, including myself. He leads uh, the School of Management and Leadership Training Institute. He, he just does a wonderful job. But his book, Awesomely Simple, uh, hits on all the tones. Uh, nothing earth-shattering, but really, really good reminders of things to focus on to be a better leader. I love that. Well, we're going to link to that here for all of our folks who might be interested. Dan, what has been the best hack you have for creating balance and integration between your work life and maybe call it your life life? <laughs> my life life. Uh, I, I, I make family a priority. Uh, my daughter was extremely athletic. She was varsity in two sports all four years of high school. Uh, I rarely missed any events. As much as, I mean, I travel by 100,000 miles a year, uh, speaking at conferences, visiting with members and non-members. Um, but we made uh, our daughter a, a centerpiece uh, of our lives because I didn't have that growing up. And and to be able to go and attend that, take an hour and go watch her play tennis or take an hour and watch her at her swim and dive meet. A meeting can be blocked out. My uh, assistant does a wonderful job protecting that. That phone call could be returned a little bit later. That meeting could be held earlier or later. So we just made family a priority. And then and you have to do it because no one's going to remember that meeting, you know, that was supposed to be, you know, at 3.30 and that could have been at 3.30 in the afternoon. But missing that life moment with your child, they'll remember it forever uh, that you weren't there and you'll remember that, that you missed it. And so make family a priority. It's extremely important. And there's always a way to get the work done. It could be late at night. It could be super early in the morning. But you can get work done, but make family a priority. Absolutely. I, that is such a such a good hack for creating that balance. Well, we're going to link to everything we talked about today in the show notes for all of our listeners. But my last question for you, Dan, is do you have any final thoughts or final asks you'd like to share with our listeners today? 
I would just like to say thank you to everyone uh, at CU Insight and, and yourself included. You provide a wonderful uh, service of getting information out to people. You have robust content. I can't wait to, for the podcast to go out and the videos uh, that you produce. So I, I just want to thank you and the whole CU Insight team for the, the job you do. Well, thank you so much, Dan. We're honored to have you on the show today and really, really honored to be able to partner with NAFQ and such amazing work that you all do in the industry. So we'll link to your your team's contact information here. So if anyone is interested in getting in touch, learning a little bit more, that will be right here in the show notes. Thank you again, Dan, for being on the show today. Hope you stay well. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into the Sea Insight Network podcast. We'll be back again next time.